Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, and this is episode number 80. Wow. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am still here in Jakarta, where I'm keeping real busy with the podcast. I mentioned in the last episode with Danielle West, in the intro for that, that there's a lot going on here in Jakarta. It's a pretty exciting time to be here. There is art and music People are really into film. Uh, There's a lot of Indonesian films that are being made and being shown here. There are a lot of new places popping up for food. There's a lot of young people getting involved in new media. It's a country that loves social media. So there's that aspect of what makes the city cool and, and pretty busy. Another thing that's going on here is that Jakarta is essentially like a political hub. This is where most of the embassies are. This is where major news publications have their headquarters. There's a major election coming up, so you may see demonstrations happening here in Jakarta. Just on the way to record this episode, there was a demonstration outside of an embassy which held up traffic and was actually a pretty pretty big demonstration and protest. So you have that going on here. It's sort of the the conduit through which world events and political events happen here in Indonesia. And I'm interested in that. You know, I'm interested in the cool adventure stuff. I love nature. Um, But I'm also interested in city life. I'm interested in the history of the places that I'm going to, the social lives of the people, what people are eating, what people are doing. I'm interested in the politics. So I reached out to someone from the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Uh, if I'm using the correct Bahasa uh, dialect and uh, accent, it is pronounced ASEAN. Now, I went to the ASEAN Foundation. Essentially, this is the union of Southeast Asian nations in which ASEAN can serve as a supervisory role as a government-to-government type of role in terms of directing the economics of countries to helping everybody reach sustainability. There's a long-term goal of 5% growth with each country's economy. So really it is the association of the Southeast Asian nations progressing the nations politically, socially, economically. And I reached out and they responded. And I was lucky enough to have today's guest, who's the executive director of ASEAN Foundation, that is Elaine Tan. She's really brilliant. Uh, you know, I asked some, some kind of difficult questions and she handled them really well and has really the clear vision of ASEAN in, at mind and at heart. And she really educated me. And so thank you to ASEAN. Thank you to Karen for setting this up. And thank you to Elaine for being my guest today. I'll say just for uh, transparency that historically I've been pretty critical, I think, at times of a lot of governing bodies, and sometimes I'm mistrustful. I think now politically in the United States it's pretty easy <laughs> to have that that type of a mindset. But where I've sort of softened over the years and, and been made softer by travel is that I fully recognize that I do not 
<laughs> I do not have the answers for a lot of what's going on in the world. And I want you to just think about Indonesia as a case study for a second, right? So we've mentioned this many times that 17,000 islands, right? Um, different languages spoken in places, different dialects of Bahasa spoken in places, different really like, uh, I hesitate to say tribal identities, but different sort of cultural identities depending on the island that you're in. Now, think about the U.S., right? Largely one landmass. I know I'm talking about continental U.S., but look at how difficult it is to keep everybody on the same page politically. Now, imagine 17,000 islands with local governments, local identities, sometimes localized languages, and that is just one country within the purview of ASEAN. So then you think, you know, you have a place like the Philippines, which largely is a Christian country and has a dollar, the peso, that is somewhat struggling. And then you look at a place like Brunei, which has a really high per capita income. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean that every single person has that money. It's, you know, the income divided amongst the population, but still, I think you see the point. And Brunei is also a country that has instituted Sharia law. So again, quite different from most of the Philippines. You look at a place like Singapore, an Asian, Asian tiger nation, tiny in terms of its geographic size. Compare that with Indonesia, which is, is massive because it's so spread out. So these are very sort of elementary ways of looking at this. I, I recognize that. But I say all that to say that it's quite an undertaking to have an organization try to keep all of those places with a common vision. And I think that that is admirable. And I know I've seen some things, some criticisms in the media, like Asin should take a t tougher stance on this or that. Yeah, and maybe sometimes that's valid. But those were not the types of questions that would have been fair for me to ask of Elaine because she's not the spokesperson for all of ASEAN. Um, and also, from meeting her and meeting the people at the ASEAN Foundation, I think that they're people who care a lot, they're very smart, they're very committed, and I think that's great. And I think that this is a really, really big undertaking. So uh, all that to say, I'm really appreciative of their time and uh, appreciative that they're doing this, this pretty difficult work. So you can go and check them out at ASEAN.org, A-S-E-A-N.org. I will have a link in the show notes for this episode if you want to learn a little bit more about them. If you want to, as always, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That is a subscription-based service where you can give 50 cents, $1, $50 a month, and that will keep the content coming, the stories coming. When I give away free giveaways, it'll keep that stuff coming. If you're not able to support the podcast financially, you can do so by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or on the podcast application of your choice. That goes a really long way in helping to get more eyes and ears directed towards this podcast. You can reach out to me at thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. I'm still accepting questions for the question and answer podcast that I will do. So if you're curious about how I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing, uh, the financial aspect of it, I'll give you an example. Some people ask, like, how do you stay healthy? 
Uh, do you get lonely? Do you appreciate the United States more now that you've gone to all these places abroad? So I'll be tackling some of those things and hopefully doing a companion to that in the form of an Instagram Live. All right, folks, check out this episode with Elaine Tan. Hope you enjoy it. So first of all, thank you, Elaine. Uh, really appreciate you giving me your time today. Um, so I'm, obviously I'm from the States and a majority of the listeners are from the States, even though actually the second most amount of listeners for the podcast are from Indonesia, okay. which I'm quite fortunate to have. Uh, but when people from home say, oh, well, who will you be talking to while you're out in Jakarta? I mention uh, ASEAN and people say, well, what is that? Okay. So maybe if you could give sort of a, a broad overview of... Uh, the organization, and then maybe if the foundation has a specific function within the larger organi organization. Okay. All right. Um, thank you, Tim, for um, inviting me to participate in your podcast. Okay. So ASEAN stands for the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Um, it was born out of a need in the um, in the 60s mm. uh, to uh, basically contain um, communism. Um, that was basically, um, you know, that was what was happening in the 60s. Um, so, um, so ASEAN was born uh, from uh, five uh, countries. Uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Singapore, and the Philippines um, to essentially work together to collaborate on issues around uh, political security, economic, and social cultural, uh, because we have to remember the 60s and what it was like. And all these countries basically um, was recently independent, um, except for Thailand. Uh, so basically, they wanted a opportunity to work, uh, to see how we can sort of like work together amidst a region that was quite, um, how would I say, tumultuous. Mm. So that's how uh, ASEAN uh, started, uh, basically wanting to be good neighbors uh, and wanting to basically focus on uh, in de developing their countries uh, amidst a very uh, problematic neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, that sounds actually quite similar to, on a global scale, uh, sort of the initial function of the United Nations, which mm -hmm. was in sort of like uh, a post-global war type of a situation, how to sort of prevent that from mm -hmm. happening again. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how does ASEAN function in relation to the UN? Do the organizations work together? Are there specific issues that uh, one organization will tackle uh, that the other one doesn't? Um, no, I mean, um, that's the UN will be a, at a global level. Uh, ASEAN is where we are in a, a regional at Southeast Asia. So the issues that the UN tackles are quite global. Uh, and of course, some of this also can be translated or can be worked 
at at the regional level. But uh, ASEAN also has its own, um, I would say, priorities uh, in terms of wanting to see this region developed further uh, economically, whether economically or political security-wise. Um, so we have a, a framework uh, or blueprint um, that we um, that we launched in 2015 to declare ourselves an ASEAN community. Uh, in 10 years' time, we have um, targets that we like to meet mm. or milestones in the three different pillars or political security, economic and sociocultural. Uh, ASEAN is also best known uh, for its economic um, interventions. Uh, essentially, we like to be more connected, um, more integrated so that we can actually be much better economically. And I think um, last year's figures show that I think as a region, all the 10 member states of ASEAN, um, we are having a very good um, economic growth of about 5.2%. Mm. Uh, and also, we, if we were seen as one, I think we were listed as the six largest economies in the world after wow. um, the US, uh, China, and a few other European countries. So I'm sure I'll ask some questions. Uh, I'm very, very curious uh, about, uh, you know, I've been traveling to Southeast Asia for the last four years. Mm -hmm. um, I love this region of the world and I'm quite curious about it. So uh, if I ask anything that's sort of like outside of your, uh, you know, realm of influence, then uh, I apologize for doing so. Um, I think that travel here is actually quite easy, but there are some differences. So with an American passport, I can come here in Indonesia on a tourist visa for a month and it's, it's quite easy. You know, I don't have to, to, to purchase a visa or anything like that. If I were to travel to uh, Vietnam, another country that I love, uh, or Myanmar, you have to purchase a visa. Okay. I know some people are highly praising e uh, the EU's model for tourism and that it's quite easy to get from place to place um, without needing a visa or anything like that. Is ASEAN or is Southeast Asia in general thinking of that as a model to move towards or will things stay sort of where each country has its own sovereignty to choose that? Okay, we are making uh, progress in that direction. As I mentioned, economic is uh, one area that we definitely would like to kind of work closely. So we started with ourselves first. Um, I think um, ASEAN now is almost travel f uh, visa free among its nationals. Oh, so yeah. each of uh, all the nationals in ASEAN can actually travel without a visa uh, for two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, as, as a tourist, yeah? Okay. Um, and it's visa free except for um, two countries, Malaysia and Myanmar, because there's also reciprocity. Mm. So, um, you know, so um, we, Malaysia and Myanmar will still have to work things out, but for all the other countries, they can easily move around quite easily. And also because of ASEAN, uh, because of the open sky policy, um, this has also increased the number of budget airlines uh, being uh, formed and and, and basically operate, being operated in the, uh, in the region. So there's more opportunities for travel for uh, ASEAN nationals as well as uh, for, uh, for tourists foreign tourists like you. So now we see a more a number of um, budget airlines uh, 
whether it's Air Asia, Lion Air, or, or you know, uh, Scoot, or even Cebu Pacific. So yeah. these are the number of airlines they have basically um, increased uh, since um, I think in the last 10, 15 years. So basically, this is because of ASEAN trying to actually oh, really? have much better integration. So to answer your question about uh, foreign um, uh, travelers, uh, whether you know ASEAN would be uh, open to uh, acknowledging or recognizing, for as you say, in that sense, if you can have a visa-free travel uh, to come to Indonesia and whether that can also be applicable to other countries. Um, ASEAN is working on that. Um, it'll take some time because um, our countries are of very different level of uh, development. So we started already with our own nationalities. So eventually we will uh, try to also see whether it's, uh, it's also possible to actually uh, grant a visa, let's say for Malaysia, a Malaysian visa, which will then enable, enable a, um, a foreign uh, tourist to actually then use the same visa to travel uh, in ASEAN. So we are working, I think it's, I would say is a work in progress. Yeah. It's interesting. It, this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but just the other day I read an article, I think in the post, uh, about the tourism minister here in Indonesia was saying that um, maybe Thailand is sort of the model for tourism and that Bali has sort of followed that model and that maybe the rest of the country should sort of seek that model out. Um, and this isn't a question, it's really just sort of my thought. Um, I, I can certainly understand that. And I think that for a lot of travelers from the West, they want to seek certain comforts and standards that they're used to at home. Mm -hmm. But having traveled a lot, it's interesting to me that sometimes you realize that some of those standards or comforts are excessive or even wasteful. And I think that you can actually, you can go to Bali and experience a lot of culture. Mm -hmm. You can also go to Bali and experience a lot of what you're used to at home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, can, you can stay in certain places mm -hmm. and, and just sort of have the lifestyle that you would at home. And what then is the point of traveling? So to me, I read that and I was thinking like, yes, certainly I want the, the country to, to succeed economically, but I would hate to see that come at losing sort of authentic culture, which is really what, you know, what I like to travel for. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Just to uh, respond, I think South Asia is definitely one region where you can definitely have diversity, and I think it's I think ASEAN as a region would like to attract more um, tourists to come because mm -hmm. it helps economically. But at the same time, I think we also need to be also very um, um, niche oriented. So we can't basically has um, you know basically the um, what you call it one size fits all. Mm. So I think um, what's uh, can be seen. In sense, I think uh, in terms of strategies that, um, just for example, Air Asia, because I, I'm, I'm saying this because I heard one of the uh, CEO at Air Asia, uh, Air Asia Thailand was speaking, um, and he was mentioning how Air Asia is sort of looking at different markets. So basically, instead of just going to the capital cities of ASEAN, um, they're looking at the regional cities in the region to actually promote uh, tourism, and they want to do so to also make um, the experience different. Mm. Uh, so basically, 
then it's about having a variety of, of um, you know, the hotels that you want uh, that offer certain standard. Or if you want to be more adventurous, and then it's possible for you then to think about also community or ecotourism. Yeah. And in the whole process, then it's, bring, it's making sure that infrastructure is made available for choices. Um, mm. So you, they're already flying into the regional cities. Then they're helping, I guess, um, the in, in having the connectivity, then basically then uh, sort of options for governments, uh, also the communities to see uh, what could be the best way to actually attract those tourists to go in the land uh, to actually experience you know culture that's different or you know to have um, you know what you are what basically you're you're basically used to in that sense so that's I think a strategy that the um, the countries will have to adopt to basically um, market themselves differently mm. uh, from one another but under the umbrella of ASEAN as basically uh, receiving um, you know visitors uh, every year it's interesting and so listeners understand ASEAN's function is not as a government body, really. It's more, um, is it fair to say it's more of um, an advisory role? And uh, how would you... Okay, um, we are an intergovernmental organization. Okay. It's, um, ASEAN is owned by member states. Oh. Um, unlike the European Union, um, ASEAN member uh, states, which co- consists of um, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Brunei, uh, Philippines, uh, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Myanmar, and Thailand, uh, they also have, um, they hold very much tightly to national sovereignty. Yes. So whatever ASEAN decides, let's say for the open sky policy, um, then there will be to have negotiations on, okay, how can we get this done? How does it, because all, some of us have our own national airlines, so how do yes. we ensure that um, our national airlines are not, um, how would I say, uh, affected? Mm. So discussions around this um, would be sort of to ensure that, you know, our national interests are taken into consideration. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we are a advisory body. I think basically uh, what ASEAN is trying to do is, as a region, um, you know, we would like to kind of like ensure that all of us agree that this is where we would like to move forward. And then what would what would be needed to actually ensure that, and that's where it happens at national level. So um, there are aspects of our work. Uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is that um, it will need uh, a lot of effort uh, to actually ensure that things are done uh, so that uh, we can actually move forward. Yeah, to that point, so travel to me has opened up my eyes to a lot of things. Um, so I, I was in Brunei recently uh, within the, the past three months. I was also in the Philippines. Uh, two places that are, are member states, two very different places. And I think that uh, it's very easy to be critical behind a keyboard, right? And uh, I've even seen things like ASEAN should take a, a tougher stance on this or that. Um, I would imagine if, like you just said, the one of the keys is to allow countries to keep their sovereignty, of course. Um, it would be quite difficult to have places that are vastly different in a lot of ways under one umbrella. Now, when I think economically, it's interesting. I was in Sri Lanka, which obviously is not Southeast Asia, but I went directly from Sri Lanka to Singapore. And I, and I thought to myself, it's almost like stepping between two different worlds. Um, and while it's not quite so different, it's not quite as much of a leap between Indonesia and Singapore, from an economic standpoint, is quite different. Um, you, you see even in the news that the rupiah 
uh, is struggling a little bit right now. Now, these are two very different geographical locations. Singapore is quite small. <laughs> Indonesia has different languages, different cultures, and I don't think that you can quite replicate Singapore or an Asian Tiger Nation here in Indonesia. But, I mean, do you know, how does, how does ASEAN tackle, how do we increase the rupiah's value, or how can we take some of the successes of a Taiwan or Singapore and emulate that here in Indonesia when there is clearly a different culture, different geography, different situation? Okay. Um, Sorry, that was very loaded. <laughs> yeah, okay. I won't talk about the rupiah <laughs> because you need to have macroeconomics uh, sort of uh, background and I don't have that. Okay. Uh, but what I can say is I think um, in ASEAN and what we are trying to do in the different um, sectors or the different pillars, whether it's political, cultural or economic, is basically to share experiences. Uh, so you actually highlighted, you know, the vast difference between uh, Singapore and Indonesia, uh, Brunei and the Philippines. Okay, both Singapore and Brunei I basically have very high, um, um, what you call it, um, per capita income. Yeah, because I think in ASEAN, I think they are, um, it's um, the opposite of GDP uh, is quite high compared to um, um, the country itself. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, Indonesia is huge. It yeah. has uh, 260 million people compared to Singapore's almost 6 million people. And um, Philippines is about 100 million people compared to Brunei. I think Brunei has the, 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 the smallest population in ASEAN, which is basically under 400,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I guess uh, what, can, what I can see is or what ASEAN is trying to do is then is to sort of share experiences of success um, so that the, um, the leapfrogging becomes a little bit easier so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So f take the case for Singapore and how can Singapore, what can we learn from Singapore uh, in terms of its financial systems or even in terms of how it's trying to be more digitized. Uh, I guess these are some, um, it's basically, you know, they had a basically a time frame of, you know, 20, 40 years, 20, 30 years to do something. So if that experience can be shared with others, then basically you are basically shortening the learning uh, curve so that you don't have to spend as long, as much as how Singapore did in terms of its digitization or, you know, in terms of its society or its, its the uh, government systems. So that's what I think uh, ha ASEAN has uh, to offer to actually share with others uh, to kind of like learn and see how they can improve on certain things uh, in terms of whether it's the education system, uh, whether also is uh, how you do business. Uh, and also I think what the others can teach uh, Singapore is then, um, you know, you know um, how you can actually, um, you know, look at the diversity uh, in terms of just from the environment or other things in terms of, you know, um, to learn and basically um, in, make investments and, and, and you look at this region as also something that you can also help um, invest and develop um, accordingly in that sense. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've seen recently with Indonesia is um, likely it's linked to climate change is the, the frequency that these natural disasters are happening. Mm -hmm. um, is ASEAN playing sort of a, an advisory role? Because this is, this is definitely tied into the economy, but an advisory role in how to sort of create um, a physical infrastructure that will, you know, set Indonesia up for a better future if the natural disasters continue to happen at this rate? 
Okay, I think um, there is a um, center, I mean, definitely uh, one of the sectoral bodies or one of the areas of cooperation definitely is disaster management and humanitarian assistance. And ASEAN has established a, um, a coordinating center for called the AHA. It stands for, okay, AS, uh, the ASEAN Cent Coordinating Center for Humanitarian Exis uh, Assistance. It's based in Jakarta. Hmm. And this role of this um, center uh, is also to also uh, help with the development uh, of personnel, uh, not just in Indonesia, uh, but those in disaster management. On you know what are the you know um, to learn from uh, how we they, we can support one another in terms of crisis like national disaster, which is um, a natural uh, phenomenon. Um, definitely, Philippines, Thailand, uh, sorry, Philippines, Vietnam, uh, particularly the coastal areas, yeah. uh, definitely are prone uh, to um, national disasters. Um, I think in recently in the Philippines they just went into um, you know a typhoon. Se I mean, it's typhoon season now. Yeah. So basically, a few weeks ago they had they were hit by the typhoons, and it, it has now um, exacerbated because of climate change, um, because of the way um, the weather patterns and all that. Um, so ASEAN is trying to, uh, is trying to actually help uh, through this um, center to actually in terms of technical assistance. How do you mitigate this? So basically, having better uh, equip or better um, capacitated personnel to actually anticipate um, um, such situations and how to react and basically be um, mobilize one another mm. to provide that support. Wow. So do you, um, for people that want to sort of, I guess, work for ASEAN or be in, become involved in it, I'm imagining with all these different functions that you mentioned, you're going to need some top minds in terms of economics, in terms of science. Um, are there people that work in other industries that serve as sort of a, an advisory role? Like, how did people get involved in becoming influential within ASEAN? Okay, um, all right, just to give you an example of the US uh, support to ASEAN, um, ASEAN is G2G, government to government. Uh, mm. So the um, the, um, the American uh, government and the people have actually, uh, is supporting ASEAN through a few facilities. Oh, really? Yes, uh, uh, we have uh, one facility that is basically looking at trade issues. So basically, um, it's for me, it's quite technical, but they're looking at things like customs, uh, basically helping SMEs. Um, you know, uh, and also um, uh, areas of customs, and um, I think it's also in terms of uh, cybersecurity. I mean, you know, a few of that. Uh, I'm just going to be sharing a little bit more of um, our experience working with the American support. Um, so when you talk about science and technology, um, the American um, through USAID is supporting us to actually um, establish or develop a network of science and technology uh, fellows in ASEAN. The whole idea is uh, also to promote people-to-people uh, -people connectivity, but also mm. connections with um, uh, the American um, AAA. I think it stands for the um, Academy of uh, Sciences. Yeah, and basically it's where we sort of like also share experience on how American scientists are, um, in, by using their um, scientific knowledge, able to then influence policies. Mm. So we want our uh, policies, when you talk about how can you know people support, is basic, basically to share experiences of how um, you know we can learn from other countries in using expertise to help us in terms of our evidence-based policy making uh, so that um, the, 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 the policies that are much more in tune to basically how it affects people. Um, so um, America, um, through the USAID program, we are actually able to have that kind of programs. Interesting. So this is where um, you know um, experts can actually also uh, 
our support. Um, the U.S. ASEAN Business Council is also very um, active uh, in this region. It is this is more of trying to get more American uh, corporates to invest in this region, yeah. uh, and also to you know. It's both ways. Right, uh, right. Just one. Of course. Uh, and it's uh, so sharing expertise and also um, developing expertise as well. So basically, and they also want to also best have better connectivity. And I think one of the uh, more interesting um, initiatives that they would like to, they are, uh, they are actually launching is the um, a bis- uh, basically an internship program uh, to basically encourage our um, um, ASEAN um, young people to consider working in American companies mm. in this region and you know we hope that they will see in that sense how uh, support American support is quite strong in this region yeah wow that's interesting um, I'm blanking I've been thinking about this question and I'm blanking on the term uh, it's likely that you know but uh, sort of like a, a case study and anytime we need to stop just just let me know yeah. um, but it's sort of like a case study. In the Philippines, there are a lot of workers who become, what is the term? They become foreign workers. They, uh, f- uh, yeah, o- um, overseas workers, o- overseas foreign workers. Yes, that's it. And um, many go to Hong Kong, go to um, Arab states, and they work and they send the money back home. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, for families and, and even for stimulating the Philippine economy, like that's quite advantageous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine in an advisory role long term, you would want the value of, um, and I've been to so many countries now, so I can't remember <laughs> the name of the currency in the Philippines. Um, pesos. Pesos, yes. Thank you so much. I would imagine you would want the, the peso to be strengthened itself. Um, is this something where ASEAN would come in and serve in an advisory capacity? Okay, I think um, when you talk about uh, advisory capacity, I think um, what we have actually been um, discussing at uh, the ASEAN level in terms of the education um, sector is to see how we can actually have a, a framework of competencies. So um, so in ASEAN, um, because of our different, um, uh, uh, what you call it, the different um, nations and our different education systems, I think we are now moving into uh, having conversations around competencies, whether we can have an ASEAN competency to then, um, you know, discuss um, of basically having to ensure that workers will have basically a, um, I guess, a competency that is similar or recognized in ASEAN to then actually then encourage more, um, I would say, um, you know, movements of, um, you know, workers in this region yeah. if we have a better understanding of how we can um, address or, or, or gauge um, how, how, how a worker can actually um, um, in terms of the skills that he or she has so we it's a work in progress because as you can imagine we are talking about 10 uh, countries and of course you have uh, each of us have our own national um, competency so then it's coming to see how we can in terms of some different uh, for some of these occupations so that that can help to facilitate um, hopefully um, you know more opportunities for working uh in each other's country, um, in terms of um, you know, um, then helping, I guess, addressing some of the challenges we see in what you have described. Okay, this is going to be sort of a a, a long question, um, so just stick with me. Uh, I went to an event last night in which there was a gentleman who is Dutch 
and he was here in the hotel during the 2009 bombing in Jakarta. Okay. And, and he was injured, and now he works in helping to de-radicalize people. And what I thought was really interesting about uh, his talk last night was that he, he showed a, a short documentary in which people who had formerly been radicalized ex explained how people become radicalized. And I was really interested in that, and I think I knew this already, but um, global events influenced a lot of people to become radical. So um, they were mentioning the events in Palestine, uh, which is not within Southeast Asia. Uh, they uh, uh, mentioned Mindanao in the Philippines. And I think, in, I just use that as an example that in 2018, there's not, global issues are more heavily influencing localized issues. Um, in a lot of ways, like we even mentioned folks going abroad uh, from the Philippines to work and send money home. How does ASEAN work in terms, how, how do you work with countries outside of the Southeast Asian region um, in terms of global politics, the economy, like states that aren't member states and might not be as heavily invested in Southeast Asia, but still are influencing it in certain ways. Is that too loaded of a question? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So if you, okay, I understand what you're trying to say. And I'm just basically, um, okay, trying to highlight that um, ASEAN works because we are sort of a group of 10 um, member states. Uh, we do also have relationships with others. Um, mm -hmm. And basically for ASEAN, we have uh, 10 dialogue partners, um, Australia, Canada, oh. New Zealand, uh, Japan, China, South Korea, uh, the EU, uh, the US. Um, Okay, is it all ten? <laughs> anyway, all right. So we do have, um, but you talk. We also, oh yeah, sorry, Russia is one of them as well. Okay, okay so um, that's where we have our um, sort of like um, external discussions, and in terms of what you have um, sort of uh, identified, um, these are actually also areas of concerns for some of for you know, either most of some of these countries more you know depending on on the severity. Um, so that's where we have actually, from a G to G perspective, sort of discuss what can we, how can we support one another whether it's information sharing, how can we strengthen some of our systems. The EU definitely would like to share with ASEAN how they actually have set up a system to, you know, in terms of the freedom of uh, movement, how do how can uh, ASEAN learn from that and whether mm. ASEAN would like to adopt. So these are, as I say, is sharing all these examples uh, of these experiences to then, you know, um, sort of strengthen our, uh, our uh, integration or uh, strengthen our, our cohesiveness. Uh, but I guess from a people-to-people people level and where how can how can our people be less um, influenced uh, by others in that sense and that's where I think uh, ASEAN aware the foundation uh, is also trying to basically um, develop which is basically building a sense of identity what when we talk about this is basically how can we get more people to think that ASEAN the ASEAN project which is basically cooperation among member countries is a uh, way to actually work uh, it's a way to support one another 
So basically from a national stand, it can also be translated into individuals like you and I. How can we uh, link up? Uh, how can we then work together then to tackle some of these um, uh, problematic issues? Yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, direct, uh, you know, the radicals or you know, how do we then basically ensure that our own identity, our own uh, culture is also, you know, uh, which basically promotes more positive in, in the whole process. So to answer your very long questions, I think uh, <laughs> we, I don't know when I'm also doing that, it's basically at the country level. Yes, countries are trying to basically ensure that we all have the same objectives and how can we support one another. But also at the very local level in that sense that our uh, own uh, history, our familiarity, our own history, our own culture, um, that can also take center stage and how can we make connections to mm. look at our similarities, um, recognizing that ASEAN is very diverse. Yeah. So about respect, about you know appreciation, these are things that we would like to, uh, the foundation would like to promote to um, you know our our participants of our initiatives. Okay, I have one, just one more for you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, one of the things in terms of the economy in the U.S. right now is people are looking at like a ten-year projection and saying, well, what jobs are there going to be? Uh, Currently, and we won't get into politics, but just to, to frame this, currently um, with the current administration, there was sort of the notion that we'll bring back a lot of the old uh, blue collar type of jobs, factory jobs, people manufacturing, but increasingly those things are becoming, um, technology is replacing the human. Mm. Um, you mentioned sort of a long term, or I even I read online, maybe there's a, like a 10 year and then a 20 year plan uh, within um, ASEAN countries. What is sort of that 10-year projection? Um, is there a goal in certain types of jobs that will be fulfilled, like a certain level of development? Uh, what is the future of ASEAN countries? Oh, okay. Um, yes, of course, um, we do have a 10-year um, uh, plan for ASEAN to move forward economically. Uh, and I think um, we also need to take into the uh, take into account of how, um, because ASEAN is very much uh, a sort of like, if you look at the goals, is basically to have a market for goods and services, uh, one market for goods and service for goods, I think, production base. It's a production base, sorry. Um, so it's about manufacturing. But mm. we know that increasingly, with artificial intelligence or you know the, the fourth industrial revolution we need to actually do things a little bit different in that sense so if we do want to um, you know in terms of kind of like making sure that we are able to grow um, easily uh, to grow at basically the rate of 5.2 uh, every year yeah. uh, so um, these are challenges that ASEAN grapple with because ASEAN I mean you've been through Southeast Asia so you do see basically we have the skyscrapers we have basically very modern uh, techno uh, modern infrastructure and technology and if you go basically to the rural in the hinterlands it's more very agricultural based so we always we also have the challenge just as, as the same in the states mm. where we have the coastal cities and basically people in the in the midwest um, so the um, I, I guess uh, we would need to basically to adapt and that's where we uh, spend uh, quite a, a lot of time trying to get young people uh, to actually uh, acquire the skills uh, basically in terms of digital literacy uh, to say Yes, um, technology will be replacing some human 
jobs. Uh, but we hope that um, uh, through that there will be also opportunities to also have other jobs. Uh, for example, I was told um, just for, um, just we were talking about coffee in that sense that um, you know you talk about planting coffee and um, you know the usual where then you sell you the coffee beans to. Um, you know, to uh, sellers, uh, but at the same time, there you can also create jobs for young people, which maybe you may not thought about. Is basically um, having the ability to, I just, you know, it's some like wine. So basically, as somebody who can appreciate um, wine, similarly mm. for coffee, if you want to sort of go into specialty coffees, you also need that person. I can't remember what the person is called who can smell and basically can make coffee that can be. Um, appreciated by a lot of people um, so basically then you're basically creating new jobs for you know different people that you may not be aware of in that sense so for, for is so basically in terms of the value chain what you can see is basically introducing other jobs that basically can be taken over by you know um, or I guess a robot mm. uh, but then creating something that is um, then is part of it that will basically be different in that sense and that's how you would like to uh, innovate and and improve and I believe that um, looking at how things are developing, it would appear that services is one. And basically, just in Indonesia itself, uh, you can see how Gojek has really transformed yes. uh, the, the industry in terms of transportation. Um, and they're using technology to do that. So then it's creating jobs, um, you know, for people. I mean, you have, you, there's, you know, lots of, um, you know, um, you know, there's also problems there. But what, what I'm trying to say is that he has managed to then uh, basically sort of like connect um, the motors, uh, motorbikes uh, with uh, people who usually drive um, passengers into, um, you know, making more efficient. They, can, they, they then have access to uh, credit. Um, they're using their smartphones to actually do transactions. Um, so it's just creating a huge uh, way of looking at things, which then will drive the economy. And, you know, so that basically it's, um, it's a different, you know way of looking at uh, doing business and looking at a problem and coming up with solutions using technology. So I think Southeast Asia is uh, prime for all this. We have lots of uh, challenges, but we do see that there's also lots of solutions which we can um, can be solved using technology and companies like Google and Facebook, you know, they're quite uh, predominant in Indonesia because, yeah. and Southeast Asians spend a lot of time on, on social, media. social media. Especially here in Indonesia. Yes. That's, an, that's a really, really good example. Um, I've been blown away by Gojek. Um, I actually think it could, again, I'm from New York City, I think it could revolutionize a lot of aspects of industry in New York City. Um, I mean, you can, you can get food through Gojek, you can get um, a masseuse. I think I saw laundry the other day. Yes. Um, so you're just creating employment. So basically, right. um, but then some people argue whether these are the right kind of employment. Basically, these workers are not uh, unionized. They basically are also uh, trapped. But, you know, we can work towards that to yeah. make sure that they have a, a decent uh, living wage, you know, but they're creating jobs, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, for people to have connections um, using technology. And so Gojek is one example, which, you know, you can see it being also uh, applied in Singapore or in other countries in terms of getting deliveries done where, yeah. you know, I mean, just, I mean, just two, you know, a few years and everything has changed, Right. you know, from, you know, hailing a taxi, you know, a, you know, a motorcycle to get you from A to Z, you know, and these are things that are revolutionized because of technology. Yeah. And adapting to, to change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Um, Elaine, thank you so much. If, uh, there's always show notes for these episodes. Okay. Um, is there a website or a Facebook or Instagram profile where people can go to get even more information about ASEAN? 
Uh, yes, you can basically, um, well, ASEAN has a website, is ASEAN.org, yeah, and our website is ASEANfoundation.org, and you can just follow us on our social media, both uh, ASEAN as well as ASEAN Foundation, um, to follow what we are doing and to see how we are actually uh, developing Southeast Asia. Great, and I will link to those, so listeners, you can check those out. Um, again, Elaine, thank you so much. Welcome very much, Tim. Cheers. Okay. That's it, folks. Episode 80 is in the books. Thank you to Asian. Thank you to Karen. Thank you to Elaine Tan for coming on this episode and for educating me and for educating all of you. Thank you to you guys. Thank you for listening. I'm having a great time in Jakarta. Looking forward to learning a lot more and having more adventures and to sharing all of those things with you. Check out the show notes for this episode for the links to ASEAN, for the link to Patreon if you're able to help support the podcast. And I will keep the good episodes coming. As always, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And please, please, please take care of each other.